Mark and Shelley are doing a great job overseeing the connect groups. And uh, I like to say when Friends used to be the most popular sitcom, I used to say, why stay home and watch Friends when you can go make some? Think about it. That went over like a lead balloon. All right. I guess I won't say that anymore. That was... Well, hey, you know what? Um, our day's um, just about wrapped up, but let's, let's get into the Word a little bit, because I want to talk about this from the Word, and then we're going to take communion. And then next Sunday is our grand opening, and uh, I'm looking forward. Now, we're not expecting, uh, you know, a, a one day to make our church everything God wants it to be. This is going to be a, a process of us reaching out, loving people, letting them know there's a great church where they can really be loved, meet Jesus, learn the Word of God, be baptized in the Holy Spirit, find out that they're part of a greater picture, and it's going to be a wonderful year. But let's jump into the Word of God this morning. Let's go to the book of John. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, look at your neighbor's Bible. It'll also be text up here on the uh, screen for you. Go to John chapter 1. You know, God very clearly has said to us this year a shocking word. For those of you who have not heard me say it, I was fasting and praying last year in December about this year. And I was walking down the beach in Del Mar. I usually go to real third world country areas to, to, uh, to seek God. And so as I'm on the beach in Del Mar... Uh, suffering for the cause. Uh, the Lord spoke. I said, what is 2009 about for you, your kingdom, your people, for me? And he said, prosperity. And it, you know, I want to, you know, I know Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Makedesh, all these Hebrew names for God. I wonder if there's a, you know, the, the God of surprise. Because to say I was surprised is an understatement. What a shock. It's like, God, do you know what's happening globally? And yet, it's not, it's a Hebrew term of prosperity, and that's shalom. That is, God wants to show His goodness on the backdrop of chaos and darkness and hopelessness. He is the God of hope. And when else would be a greater time for Him to show up than when it seems hopeless? Then that is our miracle-working God. And so we need to agree and declare what God is declaring. I am declaring prosperity over you and over my family. And that's not just monetary. I'm talking about God's definition of prosperity, which is wholeness and fullness and health and depth and breadth, the goodness and the glory of God. There's no better time than to grab a hold of God than right now. God moves where there's desperation. But one of the keys we find, and this is a great passage, and uh, you don't have to go there. Psalm 36, 27 says, I will, I will say continually... Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in my prosperity. Just like you and I as parents love to see our children healthy, getting along and being successful. And our God is greater than we are. He's better than we are. He's gooder than we are bad. God does not take pleasure in our suffering. He takes pleasure in our prosperity just like we do in our children's well-being. He is a good God and he is going to take care of us. Jesus said, do not worry about what you'll eat, what you'll wear, what you'll drink, what you'll put on. For your father knows that you need these things before you even ask him. But seek first God and his kingdom and he'll add all these things to you. Now, that doesn't just mean if the economy is good. The Bible says that God will provide all of your needs, not some of them, all of them, according to his riches 
in glory through His Son, Christ Jesus. So God is not broken, God is not nervous, and God is our God. But here's the key. The primary way that God fulfills His promises in your life is through people. It's through relationships. It's through what I call... Now, uh, I turned around to look up here and see that. There it is. It's, it's what I call kingdom connections. Now, this passage here is a great passage out of Romans fifteen seven. Let's look at what this says. You hang out at John 1. We'll get there. Accept one another. Just as Christ also accepted you to the glory of God. You see, God will bring people into your life, and there are people right now in your life that are kingdom connections. There are people God has brought into your life to bring His will to pass of prosperity in your life. Your wife and your husband are one of those kingdom connections. I didn't get a big amen on that, but it's true. As you know, marriage is God's sanctification program. I am much more the man God intended me to be after I got married than before. I'm a much better man, a much better husband, much better father because of my wife. God brings these kingdom connections. I have kingdom connections all over this church. You cannot live in a vacuum. Even if you're married, it can't just be you and your husband. That is not God's plan. God has provision for you outside of your immediate most significant relationship. And if you stay isolated out of whatever reason, fear of failure, fear of intimacy, fear of rejection, or pride or independent spirit, you are not going to experience the prosperity, the fullness and the wholeness, the health and the success that God intends for you to have. And the key is to be able to recognize the people around you. And that's why this scripture is even given. Why would the Apostle Paul have to write, accept one another, if that wasn't an issue? And then he says, accept one another the same way God accepted you. Now, if you look in the mirror and see what God had to accept, (laughs) it should lower the bar, should lower our bar on accepting one another. And I know that's funny and it's being humorous. It's real. It is so true. You can so miss God's provision for you. I listen for God and everybody, believers and non-believers. God speaks. I let people pray for me. Somebody just gets saved today and I'm sick. I'll say, would you pray for me? You don't have to be some professional prayer. God Uses anybody and everybody. He uses those who are available. He uses, you read the Bible, he uses the most unsuspecting people. Let's take a look at this. In the book of John, chapter 1. Here's Jesus. God himself. Coming to the earth to build his kingdom. And this is the reason why the Lord has drawn you, called you, and brings into your life what I call kingdom connections. That's why we call our groups connect groups or growth groups. 
Because that's where you're connecting with those that God has brought into your life for the purpose of growth and prosperity. He brings these people into our lives to advance his kingdom purposes. And in John chapter 1, let's start in verse 29. It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him. Now, wait a minute. This is a very important phrase here. John, the Apostle John, says, I did not know him. And yet Jesus was John's cousin. Many times, the provision for the vision that God has given to you are the people that are right around you. And yet through our hurt, our offenses, maybe our arrogance, whatever it might be, the strife in our relationships, we close off the provision of God by closing off the people that God's put in our lives. And John needed revelation from the Father about his own cousin, Jesus. I did not know him. I remember one time I was uh, flying on a plane going down to Mexico, uh, South Mexico. There's a a number of churches down there that that, um, I go down and and teach in. And I had a word for them, which is the provision for the vision. God had um, actually given me a dream. And I was preaching in the dream. I was preaching a sermon. And then I woke up from the dream. And, of course, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what you're supposed to preach. And in there was the provision for the vision. And I won't go into that particular teaching, but I closed my eyes. I'm on the airplane and I said, God, what is the provision for the vision of the Gathering Place Church? And now in that particular passage that God had led me to, it was uh, chariots of fire around the, the circle, around the hills. And uh, it was just, a, just an explosive passage in the Old Testament. Full of, it was so supernatural. And I, I, I was so caught up in that passage in the Bible where... where um, yeah, well, and, and then the story, the, the prophet has his assistant there and the Syrian army is surrounding them. And the, the, the prophet's assistant says, Master, what are we going to do? And the prophet says, there's more of us than there are of them. And of course, the assistant starts counting. You see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He gets up to about 500 chariots. And then he says, one, two. He doesn't understand the math. But the prophet, the man of God, sees beyond the natural. And the prophet says, Father, God, open up my assistant's eyes. He opens up his eyes spiritually and he sees chariots of fire, the chariots of God behind the chariots of the Syrian army. See, the prophet knew God's provision is always there. And so I'm on the airplane and I and I'm saying, God, what is your provision for the vision for the gathering place church? And I wanted to look out the window of the airplane, you know, and see something. You know, I mean, I was expecting it. I was like, I want to see chariots of fire. I want to see an angel on the clouds. I want to see something. And I'm looking out there and I don't see anything. So I thought, well, maybe I need to close my eyes. So I decided I'm going to close my eyes and see what the Holy Spirit will show me. And the first thing that came up was Mark's face. 
the associate pastor of the church. And then his wife's face, and then Heather's face, and then Dirk's face, and then all these faces started coming, calling. All these faces started coming up, and God says, they are the provision for the vision. You see, the kingdom connections in your life are critical for you to recognize. My former pastor, when he was pioneering his church, was in prayer. He had a dream that as he was in prayer, he started crying in prayer, uh, tears of uh, prayer tears. He's calling out to God. And his tears turned into keys as they dropped on the ground. And he didn't know what the interpretation of that was. He wakes up from the dream. He gets a phone call. And this brother says, Pastor, you had a dream. And I'm going to tell you what you dreamed. Then I'm going to tell you the interpretation of the dream. Now, that's how you know they have the right interpretation. (laughs) You dreamed that you were praying for the church. And your tears turned into keys. Those keys are key people that God will send to you to build the kingdom of God. I was one of those key people. Anyway. But I guess the key didn't fit the lock on the door, so. I say he was putting into the wrong door. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with the key. Anyway. And so what happened here in verse 31? I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water and John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I've seen and testify that this is the son of God. Now, there were many people in Israel that did not see Jesus as God in the flesh, the son of God. And they killed him. His own brothers and sisters didn't believe in him. James finally ended up believing in him after the resurrection from the dead. And he wrote the book of James. And then, of course, today, globally, there are people that do not know who Jesus truly is. They think he was a good teacher, think he was a prophet. They don't realize that he is the son of God. The only way to heaven. It takes a revelation. One day, Peter and James and John and all these guys who had been walking with Jesus for many years are walking along the road. And Jesus said, who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're, you know, Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist come back from the dead. Some say you're a prophet. And Jesus says, who do you say that I am? You've been eating, sleeping, walking with me, seeing me doing miracles. Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, you're blessed, Peter. Because nobody convinced you of this. My Father in Heaven just revealed it to you. And upon this revelation that I'm the Son of God, I'll build my church and hell won't be able to prevail against it. You see, it's those who have a revelation from God of who Jesus is are the believers that you can't keep down. They're the believers in China and India right now. Men and women that I know, some that I led to the Lord in India, who are being persecuted and beat. The church is burned down because of their faith in Christ. And they will not let go of their confession because they have, Christ has revealed himself to them. And they know him. And so now let's go to verse 35 and see how the kingdom connections start happening. Again, the next day, John stood with his two disciples. You see, when we think about John the Baptist, for those that uh, have read the Bible or know about John, he was kind of a he was kind of freaky. I mean, he lived out in the desert and he ate locusts and wild honey and he dressed in camel's hair. 
couldn't have been very soft against the skin. He was bizarre. And we think of him as being a solo artist. But, you know, the Bible here says he had two of his disciples. John was connected. You cannot be a solo artist in the kingdom of God and think that you are building the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is made up of people. The kingdom is people. And the more kingdom connections you have, the more the kingdom expands through you. What if John did not stand up to serve God? Then he would have not had anybody to be drawn to him. John is connected to God. Then John is connected to Jesus. And his disciples are connected to John. And look, look at what happens next. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. It's just like the, in the Bible in John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Jesus goes to the well, meets this woman that nobody would have anything to do with. After she, it's revealed to her, I'm talking to the Christ. She leaves and goes back to, to town where she hangs out. And, all, and she told these people, I've just met the Messiah. So they all come out to hear Jesus. They ask him, would you please hang out with us for a couple of days? He does. And then they said a remarkable thing. At first we believed because you told us that he was the Messiah. But now we've heard him for ourselves and we know he's the son of God. But how did that kingdom connection happen? Jesus didn't go to that town. The woman who lived in that town met Jesus, went to the town, brought her friends back, and then they said, now we believe through you, now we believe because we've met him ourselves." This is how the kingdom expands. Let's keep moving. Then Jesus turned, seeing them, following them, and said to them, what do you seek? They said, Rabbi, which is to say translated teacher, where are you staying? He said, come and see. I love that phrase. When people are debating with you about whether Jesus is real or not, say to them, you know what, just ask him into your life and see what happens. Be courageous enough to pray that prayer. If he's not real, poof, nothing happened. I'm an idiot. But you know something's going to happen if they pray that prayer. Because he is alive. And he loves them. And he wants to call them into his kingdom purposes for their life. That was the prayer I prayed. I went to church three times. And I went home. I was 19 years old. I knelt down and said, Jesus, I don't know if you're real or not. But if you're who those people of that church say you are, I'm inviting you into my life. Yeah, it worked. That was uh, about five years ago. (laughs) Come and see. That's the most profound statement, I believe, in the Bible. Just come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him. A date. Now it was about the twelfth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. You notice how Jesus did not go find Peter. Andrew's following John. John sees Jesus. So Andrew connects with Jesus, and then Andrew goes and gets Peter, his brother, and brings Peter to Jesus. See the kingdom connections, how the king, how Jesus chooses to build the kingdom? 
He wants your partnership. He will not build the kingdom without you. Now, in the Middle East, he's appearing to Muslims in dreams, and I've talked to some of them, and it's, you know, it's a pretty unique situation over there. Here, primarily, he does it through friendship evangelism. He does it through you and I meeting him and then going and telling our friends about him and bringing them to him, and then they know him themselves. And the greatest thing I love about this passage, and really the whole New Testament, is God uses knuckleheads. I mean, he's using the most basic, simple, many of them uneducated people. If you have an experience with Jesus, that's all you need. Who's going to talk you out of it? You know him. It's authentic. It's sincere. It's genuine. You don't need to have a theological degree to be a witness for Christ. What has he done in your life? He says, we have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, when he looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated as stone. Which is what I told you earlier about how Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, now you are solid, Peter. You are a rock. And upon this church, I'll build upon this rock. I'll build my church, which means not on Peter, but on the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip. And he said, follow me. So now Jesus finds Philip. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel. Kingdom connection. And said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and all the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, Nathanael was one of the, was your, is your skeptical friend. Uh, how do you know Jesus is the son of God? Nathanael's analytical. He's rational. He's reasoning. He's skeptical. Philip gives them the bombshell answer. Just come and see. I'm not going to stand there and argue with you. You just come and see. You, at, you come meet him for yourself, and then you tell me what you think. Jesus is our selling point family. Not slick answers, not knowing it all. Just come and see. Because if Jesus is real, that's really all you need. Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. That's what I love about Jesus. Is everybody saw Nathanael as a cynic. But Jesus saw what was really going on there was he just wants it to be real. And Jesus says he's not going to be disappointed when he meets me. He's about to meet the real thing. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Isn't that beautiful? Here's Philip running off to get Nathaniel, but Jesus already sees Nathaniel. So Jesus is working with Nathaniel, and he's orchestrating the whole thing, but he's doing it through Andrew. Philip? Philip. Philip. He's doing it through Philip. 
So when you share Christ with your friends, you're not alone. What you're doing is participating in what God is already involved in, which is the salvation of your friends. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. But isn't it interesting? Jesus saw him, but it took Philip calling him for, 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 for Nathaniel to actually end up meeting Christ. It took Philip to partner with Christ. Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. I love Jesus' answer. Because I said this to you, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? John's translation, you ain't seen nothing yet. Now let's jump forward, fast forward, and uh, we're going to wrap it up here in just a minute. Let's fast forward. They go through all sorts of stuff together. I mean, you read the Gospels. Kingdom connections are supposed to be forever. I want to say that again. Kingdom connections are supposed to be forever. When God connects you to another believer... That is supposed to be an eternal relationship. You've got to work through the offenses, work through all the junk and stuff in relationships, because the, 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 the source, the, the provision of God flows through that relationship to you. You've got to reopen those, those gates so that the grace of God can continue to flow back and forth. Now listen, these guys, if I can say this out of all due respect, where many of them are knuckleheads. These guys, James and John, I mean, you read the Gospels, these stories, James and John, they want to be the closest to Jesus in his new political cabinet. They don't understand what's going on. They really think Jesus is going to dethrone Caesar and become, you know, deliver the Jewish people from the Roman Empire and become the next political leader. This is what they think is going on. And James and John are like, man, we are going to be his secretary of state. And I'm going to be his vice president. This is what they think is going on. So they get their mom in on the act and gets their mom to go to Jesus and ask if her two sons can like be on his right and left hand. That's what she asked him in your kingdom. Because they really are good boys, you know. <laughs> The other disciples are standing out and watching this happen. And it says they started grumbling. Or Judas. How would you like to have him in your immediate family or on your ministry team? Or the treasurer of the church, which is what he was doing with Jesus. Talk about how Jesus gives you a shot. Jesus knew that Judas was stealing money from the treasury And he puts him over the treasury. Even after Judas betrays Jesus, Jesus still offers friendship to him. Jesus has come to use ordinary people. These are his kingdom connections that he has to work with. (laughs) Peter. Rebuking Jesus. The disciples always arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. This is a ragamuffin group if I've ever seen one. I'll tell you what. But look what happens. These guys hung in there together. I want to say that again. These guys hung in there together. And because they hung in there, they got to be part of the explosion and the 
birth of the early church. Look at this in, in, in Acts chapter 2. It says in verse 1, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house they were sitting. There appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, sat upon each, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues. Spirit gave them utterance. You know, 3,000 people get saved. And then you see this community is so powerful in uh, chapter 2, verse 42. And this is where the connect groups come in, and you understand why connect groups aren't just a good idea. They are the network of the kingdom. They are the connecting of the fabric within the kingdom of God. Look at, the, look at this community. Now, you remember, it started with how they started being connected. One, one here, one there. Here comes Nathaniel. Here comes Philip. Here comes Peter, you know, Andrew, and they're all connecting through one another, and they start connecting together, then they live life together, and then God uses them to advance the kingdom together. And they did this for their entire lives. And it says in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, when, you go, when you're in a connect group, you, you, you study the word together, and fellowship which is unbreakable love. Breaking of bread, that's eating together and taking communion, which we're going to do in a moment. Prayers, praying for one another. My connect groups are committed to praying for one another every day during this next quarter of connect groups. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily... You see, the kingdom of God is a lifestyle. These are eternal friends. These are daily friends. With one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church, say it out loud, daily those who were being saved. Now, what caused them to have these eternal relationships? One, they were connected to Jesus. Two, they were connected to one another because of Jesus. And three, they were connected to one another for a kingdom purpose. God has called us together for a kingdom purpose. Let's stay connected to him. Let's stay connected to one another. And let's stay connected to the kingdom purpose. I want us right now to just pray for our friends, our family members, our co-workers, our associates, this year is their year of salvation. Let's just spend a moment to do this, and then we're going to receive communion and come to Christ together, because He is the reason we are connected together, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll pray and go for the day. God, we right now, just get a, get, a, get a person, a family member, a friend, a co-worker, a child on your heart, that you know they don't know Christ, and begin to pray for them right now, just off your lips, just just pray. You're partnering with God when you do this. This is Jesus' greatest passion is for them to come and see. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't be think, oh, this person would never come to Christ. I felt that way about some people in my life, and I cannot believe they got saved. Now, I know anybody can be saved. Just begin to pray. And Father, we pray for our friends and family members right now. Go ahead and say their name to him. Maybe it's a Nathaniel. Maybe it's an Andrew. Maybe it's a Philip. Maybe it's a Peter. Father, we ask right now that this year will be the year that they come and see. We pray this year be the year that they come to know your son, Jesus. 
Lord, we pray that you pull down all the philosophies, all the barriers and the defenses in their life. Your Bible says that if they don't believe, it's because the prince of this world, the prince of darkness, the devil himself has blinded their minds so they don't believe. Father, we pray that the blinders will come off this year, just like the Apostle Paul, the blinders come off, and that they will see who Jesus really is. This year, that they will come to know your Son. In Jesus' name. Now let's come to Christ in communion. Uh, brothers, if you will uh, pass out the elements, let's just go ahead and do it in the aisles today rather than coming down front because we're, we're, uh, we're short on time. So I'm going to ask you this year. Make this your goal this year. Make it your goal to ask God to help you see those in your life as those He has placed there on purpose, for His purposes in your life. And He will begin to show you the people in your life like Nathaniel that you think are just hopeless, critical, cynical, whatever their personality might be. They cry at the drop of a hat. You can't have a rational conversation with them. Whatever that person might be. Ask God to open your eyes to see the way that Jesus saw Nathaniel the way that Jesus saw Peter. Everybody else saw Peter as impetuous and, and jumps out ahead of everybody else. And James and John wanted to be the greatest. Jesus saw through that. He saw who they really were. And because Jesus saw them and believed in them, they became the apostles of the church. Ask God to open your eyes this year and see who He's put in your life as kingdom connections for greatness. I'll wait till everybody receives the communion and we'll, we'll, we'll receive it together. broken heart you are my father in heaven you are so good to me you heal my broken heart you are my father in heaven you are beautiful my sweet sweet song you are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. I will sing again.
our denomination what unites us uh, is not our race or what unites us is Jesus he is our first connection kingdom connection it's about him then one another I'm going to ask not only that you would pray that God would open your eyes to those in your life that are his connection provision for you but also I'm going to ask if you've been one of those who have been isolated this year ask God who he would have you connect with come out of your comfort zone that's how you're going to grow in the kingdom of God break out of that comfort zone risk being hurt again join join the rest of us just risk a little bit of misunderstanding don't get your feathers ruffled so easily 
You know, the Bible says love is not easily offended. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. Get into the community of the kingdom of God. We need you. And you need us. And then out of that, the Bible's Jesus said, the world will know that you're my people because of the way you love one another. We can't love one another tangibly if we're not connected to one another. So Jesus, we come to you to love and worship you and thank you for the body, your body. Not a substitute, not somebody else's body, not an angel. You didn't send somebody else. God, you came to die for our sins. And so, Lord, we lift up your body in this church unashamedly with humility and thanksgiving. And we say, thank you, Jesus, for dying upon the cross for us. Body of Christ, let us worship God by eating the body of Christ together. And Jesus, we thank you that your blood covers all sin. That we don't need to go to a priest to confess our sins. We don't need to work off our sins. We don't need to do penance. We just come by faith to you and ask forgiveness. And know that we receive it today because of the power of your blood. And so today, as your people, we lift up this cup representing the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for the forgiveness of our sins, we drink your blood today. God, we thank you for the joy and the celebration and the freedom that comes through your forgiveness. Now today, before we leave, I want to offer an invitation to you, a kingdom invitation. You may be all alone. You may be spiritually disconnected from God. I want to say to you, with all the affection of God, God is not mad at you. That critical voice you hear is not the voice of the Savior. That's the enemy. And it's a lie. Keeping you separated from God. The Bible says that in the Garden of Eden, that Adam and Eve hid from God after they had sinned. God is calling you home today. He's saying, don't hide from me anymore. I am your best friend. I am your only help. I have forgiven you of your sins. Would you come home today? And so I'm going to ask you today that if that's you, Would you just close your eyes with me, family of God? If that's you today, and you want to come home to Jesus, would you just raise your hand right where you are and say, that's me, I want to ask Jesus into my life. I see your hand right here, brother, with a blue t-shirt on. Anybody else raise your hand and say, I want to come home to Jesus today. I I want to connect with God today. And you need to come through His Son, Jesus. Because He's the only one that shed His blood for your sins. There is no other way to the Father except through Jesus. Jesus said that. Is there anybody else who raised their hand and say, I want to give my life to Jesus today.
Amen. Can we celebrate this brother's salvation today? Awesome. Praise God. I want to thank you all for coming today. Those who are visiting, we'd love to see you come back next week for our grand opening. Take those business cards and be a Nathaniel or an Andrew. Be a Philip. Go get him or her. Hand him a card and say, come and see. Let him hear the good news of the gospel. Amen. Let's all stand. I'm going to ask, brother, you that raise your hand, would you come down front here as we celebrate your salvation? I'm Tim, would you come down and we're going to pray with you, give you a new believer's pack and help you. Let's once again thank God for your brother coming to the kingdom. This right here is what it's all about. is God calling people for eternity. Amen. Well, I bless you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May He be good and gracious to you. And don't be afraid to believe the Word of the Lord this year because we are kingdom people. We declare what God declares. And He has declared prosperity and its wholeness and fullness. And though you hear and see the natural, let's say what God is saying. Amen? Prosperity be in 2009. Amen. God bless you.